watch one second of the Pro Bowl. So, don't ask, don't tell. I did watch part of the NHL All-Star Tournament. It's not great, but I think it's about as good as it can be. Playing three-on-three guarantees skill and excitement. Lots of moves, lots of dangles, lots of passes, lots of shots, and lots of saves. And playing for a million bucks to the winning team adds some element of competition. Nobody hits or blocks shots, but at least they try. Yarmory Auger has been waived by Calgary. Under no circumstances should he come back to the Penguins. Under no circumstances. This is the Mark Madden Show. Ric Flair is the new Colonel Sanders for Kentucky Fried Chicken. He's chicken frying. Woo! He's pot pieing. Check out video of the Nate as the Colonel on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. To join in today's fun, dial 412-333-WXDX. Speaking of WWE, Ronda Rousey has signed up with WWE. She wound up sucking at fighting for real. Let's see how she does at fake fighting. Uh, Some host on Boston Radio on the air, called Tom Brady's five-year-old daughter an annoying little pissant, unquote, which is bad enough, but to make it worse, Tom Brady does a weekly program on that guy's station, W-E-E-I, or rather, Brady did. He walked off his own show yesterday after a couple minutes. Those W-E-E-I guys are all brainless jerks. The Michigan State scandal is getting worse and worse. Outside the lines is taking it apart on ESPN. Women would report rapes, and the cops and the university would just ignore the report. Wow. Uh, There was a headline in today's Post-Gazette that said, Apathy gains steam for pit basketball. Unquote. Apathy gains steam for pit basketball. I couldn't be bothered to read the article. Anyway, we've got a lot of crap to talk about today. If you want to chime in on anything mentioned, dial 412-333-WXDX. In particular, I defy anyone to give me a good reason for Yager to come back to the Penguins. A good reason to indulge in a nostalgia trip at the risk of potentially sabotaging a shot at a third straight cup. 412-333-WXDX. Yager's going to go play in Europe now. Every one of the NHL's teams, all 30 besides Calgary, had a chance to pick him up on waivers on a contract that pays just $1 million per year, and everybody passed. Yager is just at the end of the line. He has one goal and six assists in 22 games with Calgary. Now, by contrast, when Gordie Howe was 45, that's what Yager is, 45. When Gordie Howe was 45, he had 31 goals and 69 assists in 70 games for Houston in the World Hockey Association and was named league MVP. In fact, later on, 
They changed the name of the league MVP trophy to the Gordy Howe Trophy. So if you want to dial forward a little bit, Gordy Howe won his own trophy. Hey, it's the WHA, but the NHL only had 16 teams then. The uh, NHL now has 31 teams, so you do the math in terms of the caliber of hockey Gordy played in in the WHA. And when Gordy was 51, he had 15 goals in the NHL, as opposed to one goal right now at 45 for Yager. So Yager has proven to be no Gordy Howe, at least when it comes to producing at an advanced age. Yager isn't going to the KHL. Yager isn't even going to the Czech Elite League. Yager's reportedly going to Czech's number two league, like the Czech AHL, to play for his hometown team, Kladnow, which he owns. It's the minor leagues, but since he owns the team, conflict with management should be minimal. Think about it. Some of you yokels want the Penguins to get Yager, whose play has declined so much, he can only get a job with a minor league team that he owns. 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 Anyway, if you can give me a good reason why the Penguins should get Yager, and they're not going to, but stupid talk can be fun talk. Dial 412-333-WXDX. I'm curious to see if the Penguins can keep up their run of good play this month. Mike Lang is going to join me at 4.30 to discuss. Pens are 8-3 and three in January and playing pretty well. But that went over Minnesota last week reminded us of a few things, both good and bad. On the good side, the Pens led 6 nothing in the third period and played with a lot of skill and jump. On the bad side, they allowed three goals in three minutes in the third period, so there's still some work to be done. I do believe now that the Penguins will make the playoffs. I think they're going to finish second in the Metro Division. No team is going to want to play the Penguins in the first round of the playoffs. I can't think of any team in the Eastern Conference that would be a clear favorite over Pittsburgh in a seven-game series, and that includes Tampa. But it might be tough for the Penguins to win four series in a row, which would make it 12 series in a row. The Penguins are practicing as we speak. I got a great uh, profile on Casey DeSmith, currently posted at the Penguins website. Check it out. Despite DeSmith playing well in goal, I would think Matt Murray is in goal tomorrow night at home against San Jose. Matt Murray is the number one goalie, and he's got to get back in there sooner and not later. I did a big column for the Trib about the state of the Penguins, and I wrote about the possibility of getting Mark Letestu from Edmonton to be the third-line center. We talked about that a bit last week. If the idea is to keep Kessel on the third line, to divide up your scoring, then you definitely need a better third-line center, and you need a better one than Mark Latestu, I think. I don't know if a trade is out there for any center better than Mark Latestu, and having Latestu as your third-line center and Shan as your fourth-line center is better than what you got now. But if that's what you wind up with, or some rough equivalent, you need to put Kessel on the second line with Gino. The founder of Ikea died. 
No one can figure out how to assemble his coffin. Uh, Tiger Woods finished three under in some tournament, which placed him tied for 23rd. This caused an inexplicable flurry of optimism and caused comedian Norm MacDonald, who often tweets about golf, to predict Tiger would win the Masters. Norm has said some nutty, crazy things before, but this tops them all. It's the Mark Madden Show. we got Matt Williamson, our football guru, to talk Super Bowl at 3.30. Then we got Mike Lang, the Hall of Famer, to talk hockey at 4.30. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. SG, hola, good sir. Hola. Hey, Mark, how you doing? My solution is give me my cake and eat me too. The X at 105.9. Uh, Ronda Rousey showed up at the Royal Rumble last night and has signed a contract with WWE. Ronda looked puffy. Not fat, but puffy. Perhaps her face is still swollen from those last two UFC fights in which she got the crap kicked out of her. Uh, Ronda didn't participate in the Rumble, and I guess she's going to have a match at WrestleMania. The rumor on the street is a tag match Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. I don't know how famous Ronda Rousey still is. Like I said, she got her ass kicked bad in her last two fights in UFC. And when she wasn't the unbeatable champ anymore, and that air of invincibility was dead, it was no more movies, no more commercials, no more mainstream. So I don't know how famous Rousey still is and I don't know how much she helps WWE. I don't want to talk inside wrestling, but as the real fighter, quote-unquote, she should beat all WWE's female wrestlers. But why would you do that when you spend so much time building those women? Uh, speaking of building, Milwaukee made another acquisition, the Brewers. They signed free agent relief pitcher Matt Albers. Uh, he pitched for Washington last year, 7-2 record, two saves, 1.62 ERA, more of a setup guy. Now, he was good last year, but Albers was brutal for the Chicago White Sox the year before that, ERA up over six. Kind of a gamble by Milwaukee, but at least the Brewers are trying. The Pirates still haven't signed anybody. Uh, James Harrison says he wants to play beyond the Super Bowl. Heck, he might as well. His brain is probably mushed by now. And then later on, he can sue football. Uh, I saw that movie, I, Tanya over the weekend. The Tanya Harding story. Uh, Margot Robbie is hot, which Tanya Harding wasn't. But Margot Robbie was uh, very good and very believable. And Allison Janney, as uh, her mom, was insanely good and very deserving of her nomination as Best Supporting Actress. Uh, that movie is nuts, and even more so because almost everything in it is true. You, you see the characters say stuff during the movie, and you think, well, there's no way they really said that. And at the end of the movie, they played video clips featuring the actual 
people involved, Tanya Harding, her mother, Jeff Gilloli, everybody, and they actually did say those totally insane things. Uh, one part was kind of sad, and it was Tanya Harding never got her due because she was poor and straight out the trailer park, and that's not what figure skating wanted, so the judges would cheat her on scoring. That's definitely true, and she would tell them off obscenely. That's also definitely true. There's one scene where she tells the judges to do something to her that, well, it's impossible because she's a woman, and what she said is, well, think about Kid Rock's words of wisdom in the song Cowboy and not radio edit. Uh, I still got to see the Churchill movie, Darkest Hour, and that Three Billboards movie, the one we're not allowed to like because Sam Rockwell's character is racist. No kidding, that movie's getting lots of heat because Sam Rockwell's character is racist, and it's a bad example to set in today's era of social justice, and social justice is going to kill everything we love. It's a fictional movie. It's a fictional character. What's the difference if he's racist? Uh, Bruno Mars won a bunch of Grammys. Good for him. I'm sure he's talented, but I don't get it. Let's go to Eddie in Carnegie. Eddie, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark, let me educate you on something. Okay, Yager can still play. He's a goal scorer. Okay, he has one goal in 22 games, so he's not a goal scorer. That ship sailed. In fact, it sunk, but go ahead. Okay, well, I mean, the Penn State goals right now. He has Okay, okay, we're not going to just ignore the fact that he has one goal in 22 games. Okay, now, if you can build off that to something sensible, you have 10 seconds. Go. Well, they're going to trade for Eric Carlson. They'll have Goodbye. To... Actually, no, who might trade for Eric Carlson? Tampa. That could pose a problem. 412-333-9939. I, I love idiots like that. He's a goal scorer. Yeah, except for having one goal in 22 games. But he was from Carnegie. I could look out my studio window and see the magnificence that is Carnegie. And I'm not surprised by the stupidity that someone forced to live there might spew. Up next, Matt Williamson. He'll be spewing Super Bowl. 1059 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, check it out. Even as a kid, I was a super genius. I was the coolest white guy on the radio. <laughs> I think I'm the coolest guy, period, but what's up? The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. Joining me now to talk Stillers and to talk Super Bowl. He is our football guru, former pro and college scout, Matt Williamson. Matt, before we get to the Super Bowl matchup, I got a couple of Steeler issues. Uh, Lewis Riddick of ESPN said that none of the Steeler defensive backs are real good, unquote. And he's right, isn't he? Yes, he's right. Uh, I wouldn't say any of those guys are above-average NFL starters. I mean, that's for sure. Um, I think collectively they probably blew more coverages than any team in the league or certainly are in the conversation, didn't create a ton of big plays, and, oh, by the way, your team led the league in sacks. So... You can't really blame the pass rush. But I also think that doesn't mean you need to replace Hayden. You know, I mean, you don't need to replace Hilton. 
Um, I think a free safety would go a long way, and I want to see Burns get better. And I'm encouraged with Sutton. Well, the Steelers have spent picks and money on their secondary. Shouldn't it be better than it is by now? And where does the blame go for that? Is it Kevin Colbert, Carnell Lake, Keith Butler? I would blame the coaches more than I would blame the front office, although I thought the Burns pick at the time was a little early. And also, I think it needs to be noted, like when they made the Burns pick, as well as the Davis pick, the indication to me, without them saying it, and then they have said it since, was we plan on becoming more of a man coverage team. And to me, that's what Burns is best at. You know, come up at the line of scrimmage with long arms, press the guy in front of you, not have to do a lot of thinking, and play more man coverage. And I think even, you know, just watching practice and training camp and all those things, and Davis would be your guy guarding tight ends. You know, I think that's what he was drafted to do as well. And that's not how they've used them. Um, not all bad, because they were winning a lot of games, and a lot of the teams they played, especially because the quarterbacks they played were so poor this year, especially early in the season, dictated play more zone, you know, and that made sense. So maybe that transformation is still coming, and I think that would help them, especially Burns. But I do think I wish Burns and Davis were better at what they do now after two years. And they may yet be, and, and I'm yeah. with you. I thought the Bell pick was a bit of a stretch, but only a bit of a stretch. And, uh, you know, even if he should have maybe been a second-rounder, I think he should still be better uh, now than he is. Yes, and there is ability there. The thing with Burns that's frustrating to me even like against the Bears, where they hardly ever threw the ball against the Steelers, he had poor run fits. There's, four, there's a handful of plays every game where I look at Burns and say, I don't know if he knows where he's supposed to be or has a brain cramp. or just does, And I hope those go away, and I think more man coverage would help him in that regard. It's just less thinking, you got this guy, I got this guy. But I hope that doesn't you know, stay throughout his whole career. What is going to happen with Lev Bell and his future with the Steelers, Matt? What's your best guess? My best guess is they sign him to a long-term deal, and I would have a problem with that. I mean, to me, it's a very easy answer. I mean, if I was in charge, I would franchise him again, even if he sits out, and run him into the ground yet again, and send him on his way after that and probably use a third-round pick on a running back. I, I totally agree. I think that's the only scenario in which I would keep him. In fact, if I had to rank in order what I would prefer, it would be franchising him, or oh, then you get all the attendant shenanigans if you do that. Number two, I'd just let him go, and the worst option is signing him long-term. I can't give him a long-term deal, Matt, not given his prior workload, his uh, his misbehavior, and not with the NFL being a passing league. I just can't give that guy a long-term deal. And injuries and suspensions, and, you know, I don't think that you, know, I mean, you have to hold those things against him as well. And the big thing I've said over and over with Bell is I think he's still an elite running back, and maybe even the best one in the league. But I think he was better last year, and, you know, you don't see the chunk runs. You don't see quite the explosion. You don't see him running away from people as much. And I wonder if he ever will. I mean, you beat him up that much over a two, three-year stretch, i got to think that the best is slightly behind him. And I'm not saying he's going to fall off a cliff and turn into a non-factor, but I think when you look back at his career, his absolute apex was the end of last year. Okay, let's move on to the Super Bowl, Matt. The Patriots are favored by 
Four and a half points the last time I looked. How can you not love the Patriots in this game with uh, Carson Wentz out and Nick Foles at quarterback for Philadelphia? Yeah, I mean, I picked this game 27-17. I just turned in a, a, a preview of it with New England winning. I mean, there's a couple. If Wentz was in this game, I might very well take Philadelphia. And Foles played like Wentz last week. But that's the only time he's ever done that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's going to happen again. And the, really, the Patriots' defense, since the first week of the season, they're allowing like 16 points a game. So it's a pretty good group. They're not going to make mental errors. All that being said, though, like I said with Jacksonville, this is probably right at the top of the list of defenses they don't want to play against because Malcolm Jenkins should do a decent job on Gronk. They're great against the run. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and all those defensive linemen they have, and they have waves of them, are going to hit Brady. You know, I mean, they have an advantage very much in the passing game from their pass rush perspective. I just think that, like Jacksonville, as the game goes on and the more plays are played, the more it favors the, the Patriots, and they'll figure things out, and they'll find a mismatch that they like and exploit it to no end and pull away in the second half. I, I agree. I, I think that the Eagles can hang with them defensively. I think they can cover man-to-man. I think they can pressure Brady. Now, the wild card in this might be if Gronk can't play, although he is practicing. What do you hear about Gronk and his availability? Yeah, of course they don't tell you much, and we'll learn way more these next two days. It would shock me if he doesn't play. I mean, it absolutely would. And maybe that's enough to make the difference. But, again, I mean, do you trust Foles or do you trust Brady? I mean, that's a pretty easy answer. <laughs> well, no, 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 no question about that. Now, how much does Foles playing in place of Wentz really hurt? What do the Eagles do worse or have to do tangibly different? Because Foles' numbers are okay, Matt. Like you said, he played very well in the conference championship. Yeah, he was awesome last week. And I didn't see that coming. I don't think it will happen again. But he played as well as Wentz has all year. They haven't changed things a whole lot. I'm a gigantic Wentz believer, but it's a pretty quarterback-friendly offense, and they do a lot of things to make his life a little bit easier. RPOs, strong running game. It's a great offensive line. Uh, They're pretty good at scheming up one-on-one matchups. But really the difference, and there's a lot of them. I mean, Wentz is better at everything. But the key with Foles is... He's a beat slower with everything. His feet are slower. His release is slower. The ball comes out of his hands a little slower. He's a slower processor. Uh, the book on him, at least before last week, was make Nick Foles hold the ball and go late in the down, and he'll screw it up. Well, he didn't last week, but he usually does. Um, and, and, oh, by the way, Wentz was remarkable on third downs and red zone situations. You know, situational, tough football. Wentz was the best in the league almost this year. We're talking to football guru Matt Williamson. He's brought to you by 84 Lumber. Uh, give me a scenario where Philadelphia beats New England, Matt. What has to happen, and who in particular has to stand out? Give me just one or two names. Foles is the obvious one. If he plays like last week, they got a chance. they got a good chance. Uh, but I said this earlier, too, that if Philadelphia wins this game, I bet Fletcher Cox is, defensive, is, is the MVP of the game. That... I bet if you could give Bill Belichick true serum right now, what's he most worried of? I think it's getting Fletcher Cox you know, blocked from an interior pass rush and against the run perspective. You know, Their guards are okay. Their line is collectively pretty good. But he's a beast, and he's a disruptive guy. 
Give me a scenario where New England wins. Uh, not that there aren't plenty of those, but what has to happen, and who do you think would be their likeliest MVP? Of course, Brady. I mean, that's the obvious one. Um, I think that their strategy at least will be, they, you know, for those who don't know, they've gone deep a lot more this year than they usually have. You know, there's, there's no Edelman. They've changed the way they play, even if Edelman would have been there. But I think they go back to old-school Patriots, Dinkin and Duncan to Amendola and Bax and Gronk and a lot of basically long handoffs in the passing game, uh, spread the field a little bit and try to get one-on-one matchups and let Brady exploit those pre-snap. I can't even really even imagine somebody other than Brady being MVP. <laughs> you know, because I, mean, I don't think they'll run well. And even if they do, their backs share time. You know, it's not like one guy is going to get all the carries. They don't have a defensive guy that really stands out like a Fletcher Cox. I mean, unless Gronk is a superstar or Brandon Cooks has 200 yards or something like that, I mean, Brady's going to be the MVP. As we've talked about, Matt, uh, and this is a real phenomenon, teams panic when they have a lead against New England. Look at Atlanta in the Super Bowl, uh, Jacksonville uh, last week. How can Philadelphia avoid that? Because I don't think they can. I think whether they're ahead or behind in the fourth quarter, the Eagles will flinch, and it'll be up to New England to take advantage of it. Yeah, and the other side of that coin is, New England doesn't change. They're, they're still picking and probing at you as the game goes on and finding weaknesses. And sometimes it doesn't happen until the fourth quarter. Sometimes it happens before the game even starts. But nine out of ten times, they find something and they get you playing backwards or they t- tire out your defensive line. Like that was really the case in the Super Bowl last year was the Falcons' defense played so many snaps, they were just totally exhausted. And the Patriots started to realize that, so they went, hurry up and – you know, if this Philly defensive line, even though it's really deep, gets tired out by the third, fourth quarter, and everyone's heart beats a little faster in the Super Bowl and all those things, then they got you. If New England wins, are they the greatest dynasty ever? Are they that already? I mean, to do what They're they've done already. in a cap era is unfathomable. I mean, you can compare New England to the Steelers from the 70s all you want, but the cap makes everything different and so much more difficult, doesn't it? Absolutely. And so, therefore, they are already the greatest dynasty, in my opinion. And they only had two constants. You know, like, for example, the Steelers and the Packers might have been better at their, you know, their, their stretch for, for six years. I would put the Steelers against anybody, uh, in any six-year stretch that New England had. But they didn't have Joe Green up for free agency or, you know, that, they, that year when they drafted Swan Stallworth, Webster, Lambert. Well, they would all become free agents the same year. You know, I mean, like you wouldn't have been able to keep them. I mean, it's and and they weren't as great as long. I mean, by the early '80s, the Steelers were just another team. So, Matt, you pick Patriots twenty-seven seventeen, correct? Yep, yep. Uh, I would ask what we we talked about what has to happen for Philadelphia to win a bit, but like we've seen, having a lead's no guarantee. I'll be no. very blunt. I can't even remotely see New England losing this game unless Brady would get hurt. I think that's the only variable that could swing it to Philadelphia. And I do mean the only variable. Yeah, and to a much lesser degree, although I'd still probably take New England, like you said, if Gronk can't play for some reason, that would be big. But they won it last year without Gronk. Matt, as always, thank you for your expertise. We'll talk to you next week to wrap up the Super Bowl. Sounds good, Mark. We'll see you. That's Matt Williamson, our football guru. And he's brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Uh, 
in just 30, well, no, a full break here. God, I have so much stuff to plug and to tease and uh, I'll be back in a few minutes talking about something. 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, what's up, Mr. Madden? Their moth might say no right now, but in their hearts, they're saying yes, yes, oh, yes. The X at 105.9. Uh, Tom Brady has a weekly show on a Boston radio station, WEEI. This morning, he walked off his own show after like a minute because one of the hosts at the station called Brady's five-year-old daughter an annoying little pissant on the air. And Brady said he is going to reconsider his involvement with the station. Wow. Now, the station has a contract with the Patriots that guarantees a show by Brady. But but I'd like to see them try to force Brady to do it. Hey, all those guys on Boston Radio are total assbags. But how can you insult any five-year-old, and especially Tom Brady's daughter, when he is providing your station absolutely must-listen radio for Patriots fans? That host who insult Brady's daughter needs to get fired, but not because he said something tasteless about a five-year-old kid. If Brady wasn't involved with that station, if I were his program director, I wouldn't be happy about what he said, but I certainly wouldn't fire him or even suspend him. And the guy is currently suspended. I would fire him because he filed the relationship between Brady and and the station. Now, under what context can you call a five-year-old kid a pissant? By the way, that's one of my favorite words. But under what circumstance is that okay? Suckers got to know. No quarter brought to you by 84. Oh, no, wait. If I didn't have so many sponsors and plugs and giveaways, I would always get them right when I read them. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. I will say, we have a lot less of it than the B team. The B team is like reading 60-second commercials in the middle of their program. And every single segment is sponsored. Only 70% of mine are sponsored. Much better. Actually... I hate to say this because I like all the guys who do this job for the B team, but I'm going to say it anyway. They need to get rid of all the sports updates. They have like a 90-second sports update three times an hour. Why? They're not breaking news. If there is breaking news, the listener would have already seen it on Twitter, or the host can talk about it. But they have those like scripted updates. Last night at AJ Palumbo Center... Nobody cares what happened last night at A.J. Palumbo Center. Then again, I believe that any more than one host on a radio show is a waste of money and just a waste, period. Except in morning radio. Well, that's it for Mark Madden, the program director here on No Quarter. Brought to you by... Ah, they already got their plug. 412-333-9939. Earlier... I challenged the listener 
to tell me a good reason. Keep in mind, I said a good reason why the Penguins should bring back Yager. Yager has cleared waivers at Calgary, had one goal in 22 games. Apparently, they're going to loan his contract to Cladnow in the Czech League. It's not even a Czech Major League team. It's their AAA league. The reason he's going to Clad now is because A, it's Yager's hometown, and B, he owns the team. So conflict with management, as I said earlier, figures to be minimal. Now think about this. Yager couldn't cut the mustard in the NHL. Nobody in the KHL wanted him. He'd have rather gone there, higher paying. Nobody in the Czech Elite League wanted him. He's trickled all the way down to Czech minor league hockey. I'm not making funny yags, but isn't it perhaps just time to go home? And I'll talk about this more later, but you know, Yags has played for nine NHL teams. I think that dilutes who he is and what he's accomplished. Who does he say goodbye to? What's his jersey? Well, I'll tell you what his jersey is. His jersey is in black and gold with number 68. His jersey is green with a dollar sign on the back. In the end, that is Jarmer Yager's jersey. And that's why I've always loved guys who are one team, one athlete, who spend their whole career with one team. Like Mario, the Penguins, that's his jersey. Even Bork. Bork left the Bruins to whore himself out to Colorado to get a cup, to fly high on borrowed wings. And I know he's still a Bruin. Kind of. Gretzky. What's he, an oiler? He betrayed them. Didn't win in L.A. Stuck in New York. So what's Gretzky? Is he an Indianapolis racer, maybe? Lemieux's a penguin. Lemieux did it exactly, exactly right. And if those other guys don't feel diluted, well, good for them. You should be true to yourself and do what you want. But I think Lemieux did it right. Uh, instead of debating whether Yager should come back to Pittsburgh which, believe me, is a non-debate for Jim Rutherford, the GM. We should be talking about what a great NHL career the guy had and how much he meant to the Penguins in the 90s ahead because it's so absurd that he should play in Pittsburgh again. And believe me, a lot of people want it to happen. The same people who booed him every time he touched the puck coming back to Pittsburgh with another team, now they want him to play with the Penguins the rest of the year. And it's so absurd that, that that idea is out there. So people who get it, like me, have to spotlight Yager's shortcomings, and that kind of sucks. 412-333-9939. Oh, a Penguins note. They recalled JSD from Wilkes. They knew they would. D just went down for the weekend to get some games. Uh, D's done fine here in Pittsburgh. I just don't see him as a guy... You'd want dressing for playoff time. But I consider D to be the number three D in Pittsburgh history, with number one being former Alderdice, uh, Northwood Prep, Michigan State, and current player agent star D Rizzo. Uh, number two, former Mont Alvernia girls basketball coach D Peruznik. And then after that, JSD. I always think ACDC when I say the name. J-S-D. Hey! Hey! Or is it oi? Which is Australian for hey. Uh, the NFL is going to revisit the catch rule. 
I can't imagine why they would feel the need to do that. And here's breaking news. The Cleveland Indians will not be using the Chief Wahoo logo on their uniforms anymore. That's the way it was worded. Does that mean it's still going to be present in some way? Because that's what it sounds like. It doesn't sound like they've eliminated it totally. So the Cleveland Indians will not be using the Chief Wahoo logo on their uniforms anymore. That's the right thing to do, especially because we're never going to give Native Americans their land or dignity back. But if we can eliminate Chief Wahoo, well, that's better than nothing. Very, very marginally better than nothing, which is what we've convinced the Native Americans to accept for how many hundreds of years something that's better than nothing. And maybe not, but we tell them it is. Uh, Roger Federer won again. That son of a bitch. The Australian Open. He's so good, he's boring. And it doesn't help that he really is boring. Isn't the Ikea guy from Switzerland like Federer? No, he's from Sweden. Or is it Finland? I get those confused. I was thinking maybe Federer killed the Ikea guy so he could be the most famous guy from whatever, but, but I don't know. That's No Quarter brought to you by CW Electric Services. We have Mike Lang at 4.30. And in just 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you what should happen at Michigan State with this scandal, but it won't. Pursuta, if you're out there, you might want to switch the dial. But now it's time to win a thousand bucks. Listen, keyword, text it. You can win a thousand bucks. 1059 the X.